This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. Thank you, Jesus. We thank God for the ministry of the praise team. Come on, say amen. And our musicians, they continue to set the atmosphere that is conducive to worship. Happy Sabbath, everybody. We thank God that ours is the privilege one more time of coming together for worship. Worship a God who is worthy of all our worship. We affirm and declare that all the other gods of the nations are idols, but our God made the heavens and the earth. Let me welcome every worshiper and let me assure you that God has blessings in store. Also want to wish you happy fourth I know that some of you started uh, getting the barbecue ready for tomorrow. But you know, as I was coming to church this morning, I reflected on the idea that I can come and worship God unmolested. That I live in a country where I can worship God according to the dictates, amen, of my conscience that we should never take it for granted. And even though I know as a person of color, we still have ways to go, I still believe that this is one of the best countries to live on this globe. And that we should never take for granted the freedoms we have, amen? And to use the opportunities that we have to share the gospel before the second coming of Jesus. As some of you know today is our connection sabbath we want every sabbath to be connection sabbath we believe that when you come through these doors is not just about us congregating for worship but that god wants us to find and have meaningful community meaningful connection that is our desire as a leadership. As we continue in worship with the study of the Word of God, we'll consider our focus passage for today, Galatians, Galatians chapter 1, 6 rather, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through the 5, Paul's letter to the church there at Galatia. The New King James Version's rendition Scripture says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore. What's that word? What's that word? Restore such a one in a spirit of what? Gentleness. Considering yourselves, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. 
and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself and not in another. And then verse 5, for each one shall bear his own load. This is God's word, and I believe it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the clear evidences of your presence in this place. And we know that wherever you are, blessings are in store. As we continue now with a study of your word, we pray that you will go by every aisle, every pew, arrest our attention, remove every distraction, speak through this mortal, feeble lump of clay, words of truth, words of hope we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at these five verses together, will do so beneath the caption, Bear One Another's Burdens. Bear One Another's Burdens. Neighbor, in these five verses, the Apostle Paul lays out that a healthy Christian community is one that seeks to restore the fallen and assist one another in bearing the heavy burdens of life. A healthy Christian community is one that seeks to restore the fallen and assist one another in bearing the heavy burdens of life. In other words, in these five verses, he addresses the importance of believers restoring and supporting one another, especially in times of spiritual or moral weakness. Now, before we work through these verses, I want for us to zoom out a bit and appreciate the wider context of this epistle of Paul, the epistle to the church there in Galatia. And by the way, FYI, of all the epistles Yea, of all the books in the Bible, there is no other book on which there is so many comments, so much commentary and, and, and so many books written as on the book or the epistle of Galatians. Here in this epistle, Paul is pushing back against the Judaizers, against the legalists, a group that had dogged him for most of his ministry. They had now invaded the church there in Galatia, seeking to undo the grace-laden gospel that Paul had established there. And now, in this final chapter of the epistle, he continues to provide the believers with some practical admonition as he draws a contrast between the legalistic approach of the Judaizers and his grace-laden approach. The legalist, Paul is saying indirectly, has no desire to bear burdens. Instead, the legalist will add to your burdens. 
As a matter of fact, Jesus said of some of the religious leaders in his day, some of the legalists in his day in Matthew 23, verse 4, that they were folks who would bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others, but that they themselves would not lift a finger to help with those burdens. You see, the legalist, Paul argues, is always harsher on others than he is on, than he is on himself. But the spirit-led Christian demands more of himself than he does of others in order to help others. The legalist is always harsher on others than he is on himself. But the spirit-led person, the spirit-led Christian, demands more of himself than he does of others in order to help others. And so with that background in mind, let us now work our way through these verses. In verse 1, Paul says, brethren, if a man is overtaken, don't miss that, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, you who are what? Spiritual, restore. What's the word? What's the word? What's the word? Restore such a one in a spirit, notice, in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourselves, lest you, lest you also be tempted. Now, in these verse, in this verse, Paul presents a, a hypothetical case of a believer, notice, who is suddenly tripped up and, and who falls into sin. He says that this man is overtaken. The word carries the idea, overtaken, of someone being surprised. So this is not a case of deliberate disobedience. This is not a case of the brother waking up that morning and deciding, well, I'm going to sin today. It's a situation where the brother is overtaken by the circumstances. It's a situation where the brother is overtaken by temptation. It's a situation where he's blindsided by sin and he falls into sin. And Paul says, when that happens, here is how the believer, the spiritual person responds. It's interesting how he uses and why uh, John Paul, he uses this illustration because, you know, nothing reveals the wickedness and the futility of legalism than the way legalists treat, uh, treat those or respond to those who have sinned, those who have messed up. You see, there's some folks, they gloat or they celebrate the fact that someone has missed the mark, that someone has messed up, that someone has fallen into sin. Some of you can recall the story there in John's Gospel, chapter 8, of a woman caught in adultery in the very act, according to John, and how these legalists, these religious leaders were seeking to take her outside of the city and pummel her life to death when one of them had the bright idea of taking her to Jesus to see how Jesus would respond in that situation. Legalists, do not need the facts and proof. They only need suspicion and rumors. 
They don't need the facts of you messing up. They don't need to prove that you messed up. For some of them, they only need suspicions and rumors. You see, their self-righteous imaginations will do the rest. And so, in this paragraph, watch me, Paul is contrasting the way a legalist would deal with a brother who was messed up and the way a spiritual person would deal with a self-same brother. You see, the spiritual person, and by spiritual, Paul is not talking about someone who is perfect. He's talking about someone who is spiritually mature, someone who is spiritually experienced. You see, the spiritually mature person will seek to restore the brother, notice, in love and not exploit him or make an example out of him. Will not seek to say, hey, hey, I know you were going to mess up. I I knew he was, you know, he's been doing that for quite some time now. Did you know that? And it's interesting the word that he uses for restore because the word that is used for restore is a word, watch this, that means to mend as in a net or in mending broken bones. And so when Paul says to to restore, he is saying we must seek to mend someone who has been broken. And notice he says, it must be done in a spirit of gentleness. The problem with some folks in seeking to restore or to correct those who have fallen is, well, not here at this church, in the church down the road, is that they do it in such a harsh way. They are so rough the way they go about it. And they wonder why the person does not respond favorably. They seek to restore by saying things like, what was wrong with you? How could you have done that? You embarrassed us. Now, does that sound like language that would restore anybody? And then Paul says something in the verse that we should not miss. He says, not only should we seek to restore and do so in in, in, in an attitude or an approach that is gentle, but Paul says, while you're doing that, you must consider yourself lest you also be tempted. You see, when, 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 when the spiritual mature person seeks to, seeks to restore someone or is in the process of restoring someone, they do so with humility, recognizing that but for the grace of God, they could have messed up too. There is no holier-than-thou attitude. There is no I'm beyond that sin. No, they, they realize that but for the grace of God, they realize that no one of us, not one of us, is immune from falling. No wonder Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 that we must consider and take heed Lest when we think we're standing, we're falling. 
When we seek to restore, we must do it with an attitude of humility, recognizing our own weaknesses. Restore. The church has a mission not to cast people aside or throw them out, but to restore them. Years ago, I was pastoring a church, and as I was heading to my car after service, a beautiful young lady approached me. She said, Pastor, I just want to know when I'm going to be disfellowshipped. I asked her, disfellowshipped? She said, yes, uh, I, I'm pregnant, I'm not married, and my mother, my mother told me that, that that's the drill, that I'm going to be disfellowshipped. I said to her, do you want to be disfellowshipped? She said, no, but, but my mother told me that's how it goes. I said, okay, let's forget about what your, your mama told you for a minute. Do you want to be disfellowshipped? She said, no. I asked her, is this the way you, you've decided to live? She said, no. She said, Pastor, in reality, what happened is uh, my, my boyfriend and I, we got caught up. Our emotions got the best of us. She says, we're embarrassed about what happened. I asked her, is this the way you intend to live? She says, no. I said, listen, my job is not to disfellowship you, but to restore you to fellowship. My job is to bring you back into fellowship. But, but, but pastor, my mom, I said, don't worry about your mama, what your mama told you. Pastor is telling you that, 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 that my responsibility is restoration. And what's, what's amazing is, is that sometimes uh, some of us who are so harsh with folks, we too had the same issue years ago. And now that we have overcome, now that we've cleaned up our lives, we walk around the church being the church cop. Not in plantation, amen. Church down the road. Paul says that when we are spiritually mature, our approach to people who have messed up is one of humility. Our approach is one of we seek to restore them, to bring them back. And I say amen. amen. And then in verse 2 he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. In verse 1, Paul discusses the idea of restoration, and he warns us against a judgmental attitude towards those who have messed up. He encourages us to gently restore those who have sinned, demonstrating compassion and humility. And here now, he says, we must bear one another's burdens. As Christians, as believers, as members of the community of faith, we have a responsibility to support and help each other in times of difficulty. And that's not just praying for the brother, that's not just praying for the sister, but that includes providing practical assistance. Because sometimes... The answer to my dilemma 
is not your prayers, but is what you've got in your pocket. Amen. And Paul says we must bear each other's burdens. We must, we must be constantly aware of what's happening in the, in, in the body of Christ. And it's for that reason we encourage, because we appreciate the challenges logistically when we're dealing with a large congregation, it's the reason we, we, we encourage folks to get connected in our life groups. Amen? Because God has not called us to do life by ourselves. And it's in those life groups, in those intimate settings, in those close settings, we get to appreciate and understand what each other is going through. You see, our circumstances and our realities can be lost in our happy Sabbath greetings. Sometimes our pain is diluted and drowned out in our praise and worship in the congregation. But it's when we meet in these life groups that we can share in a very personal and practical way the challenges that we're going through. Sometimes the line to greet the pastor is so long that you can't in a minute or two share with him what you're going through. But when you meet in those small groups, when you meet in those life groups, as you're doing life together, you can share what's going on. Believers are called to be in the struggle with each other, to, in, to, 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 to help shoulder the weight of each other's troubles. And by doing so, Paul says, when we do that, we demonstrate the love of Christ. We fulfill the law of Christ because the law, the Ten Commandments, is not just a list of do's and don'ts. It's about love to God and love to each other. Bearing one another's burdens means clearly to walk alongside others in this struggle and supporting them and sharing the law whenever and whenever that is necessary. When we bear each other's burdens, it reflects that there is an interconnectedness among us. There is the need to foster a caring and supporting environment. And that's what we're seeking to, to accomplish here with our connection habits, an environment, an atmosphere, a, a culture where folks can know that we care about you. And when you go through life's struggles, you don't have to go through it or them alone. And Paul continues in verses 3 and 4, he says, For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. In other, word, in other words, Paul is saying none of us are exempt from dealing with challenges and difficulties. None of us is, is exempt from needing help or assistance. The thing is that some of us, we go around denying our own realities and lying to ourselves when others inquire of us, how are you doing? We tell them, I'm fine, I'm great, God is blessing, you know. 
We grin, we put the mask on to hide the pain and the challenges that we're going through. Paul says, if anyone thinks of himself to be something when he's nothing, he's deceiving himself. But let each one examine his own work, that he'll have rejoicing in himself and not in another. In other words, Paul is cautioning us as believers against pride and self-righteousness. The child of God should be humble and self-aware, recognizing his or, own, his or her own shortcomings and appreciating that every day of his life, of her life, she is in need, he is in need of grace. And don't be comparing yourselves with others. Because there will always be greater persons than yourself, and there will always be lesser persons than yourself. In other words, compare yourself to God and His standard and His will for your life. And then in Galatians chapter 6, verse 5, Paul ends this section by saying, For each one shall what? Bear his own load. Now, at first blush, neighbor, this verse may seem a bit contradictory to verse 2. We just read in verse 2 where Paul says that we should bear one another's burdens. But now in verse 5, Paul says that what? For each one shall what? Bear his own load. Now, when you consider the words that are used, in verse 2 and verse 5, you appreciate what he's saying. The words that are used for burden in verse 1, in verse 2, in verse 5. You see, in verse 2, the word that is used for, for burden, the original word for, 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 for burden that's used in verse 2, it denotes that which is so heavy that it was meant to be undertaken or carried by more than one person. Boros. That's verse 2. In verse 5, the word that is used there for load or burden is portion, and that means that which is suitable to be carried or undertaken by an average person. Do you get it? So in verse uh, 2, that which is not meant to be carried by one person. Now, 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 let me put it where you can touch it. You've seen those, those boxes, those packages, right? And they have, they, they have that, that image on it which says that, that, that this should be lifted by two or more. Two or more. That this package is not meant to be carried by a single person, but that this package is meant to be carried by two or more. You see, in verse 2, Paul is saying that there are burdens, there are situations that we will face as believers that is not meant for us to handle by ourselves. Because sometimes there are those of us who are trying to punch above our weight, as the boxes would say. 
We're dealing with situations that are way beyond our scope, way beyond our pay grade. We're dealing with situations of which we are not strong enough. And we're straining. There's some situations that you and I will face in life that God did not intend for us to face and handle by ourselves. Now, now we, 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 may, we, we may do it, or we may think we're doing it. Let me put it where you can touch it. God never intended for you to parent by yourself. God intended that parenting would be would be an undertaking for two or more persons. Yet there's some of us, we brag, oh, oh, I raised them all by myself, child. Me and God. I was in it. And we raise the children all by ourselves, and we send ourselves to an early grave. All that strain, all that stress. You see, it's like the fellow who goes to the gym and, and, and he weighs 145 pounds, and the first day of the gym, he wants to bench press 250. He may get away with it for a few seconds, Michael, but by the time he limps to his car, He's reminded that it's above his weight. And there are some of us in the body of Christ, we're dealing with situations that's above our pay grade. And because of our pride, I don't want anybody to know my business. I'm going to handle it all by myself. And we strain and we fuss and we fret and we go through the pressure of life and God is saying no that was not meant for you to carry by yourself that's the reason I provide you with a family and sometimes the price you pay for help is the price of being transparent I don't know if too many of us read those comic books growing up, those superheroes, and we believe those stories, and then all of a sudden, all we've got in the church are supermen and superwomen. People who believe, oh, I can do, Jesus says, I can do all things by. Not appreciating that Jesus has provided you with brothers and sisters, a church family, to help you with the Lord. Listen, I know which I speak as a pastor. I had to repent and move away from that nonsense. Years ago, when I came into ministry, it was the belief that the, that, that, that the pastor was Superman, that the pastor would do everything and have all the answers. I have si I've since repented of my sins and realized I am only human. Huh? But don't miss it. 
In verse 5, Paul says, but let every man manage his own load. Now, he's saying that there are some responsibilities that God expects you and I to take care of business. And the imagery here is one of a soldier with, 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 with a backpack, a backpack on. It's, it's, it's his, it is his, he can carry that. And the expectation is that which you can carry, you should not give to somebody else. Let me put it where you can touch it. And so, life happens. You lose your job. You can't make rent. You can't make mortgage. The church, a loving church, steps in and provides you with the mortgage or the rent for that season. It is not expected that the church will pay your mortgage for life. Amen? That, that, when, that when God provides you with opportunity, you see, I, 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 can get into, I can get into a rut, and I may reach out to, to Brother Keith to help me, but I don't expect for Brother Keith to take care of my family. Hello? You see, there's some responsibilities that God expects for you and I to fulfill to assume and not depend on or burden others with our obligations. Do you get it? And so when he says, bear each other's burdens, he's saying that there's some things that are not meant for you and I to carry all by ourselves. It's beyond our scope. It's beyond our resources. And God has provided us with a church family to come alongside us. And to help us with the load. But then there are some things that God has equipped me for and God has blessed me with the knowledge and the know-how to deal with. And those things God expects for me to pay attention to and not pass the obligation on to someone else. But friends, the most important thing from this text is that no believer in Christ should have to go through a struggle alone. No believer in Christ, unless you choose to, no believer in Christ should be faced with an obstacle that there is no one around who can help. The church functions, the church is at its best when the church can partner with and help each other to bear each other's burdens. I close with a story. There's a story of Boys Town and Father Flanagan. 1918, Father Flanagan was this father who had, who started this orphanage for, for boys. And then they started including girls. Came known as Boys Town. Still around today. One day he saw a boy, his name was Loomis, he had polio, he was stricken with, with polio, and so he had these iron braces on his legs. And he would not move as fast as the other boys. 
But one day he observed that another boy, Reuben, started carrying Lumas on his back. And he was concerned for Reuben. He was concerned for the boy's health. Could he manage him? It seemed as if he was struggling to take him with him. And so, and so he said, he said, Reuben, how are you doing? Can you manage it? Can you manage him? And then the expression, he said, he ain't heavy. He's my brother. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. In other words, he's not a burden to me. He's my brother. In other words, I can carry him because he's my brother. The connection made the difference. You see, when you are in a relationship, it's not a burden. It's not a burden. It's a privilege. I thank God and I stand here as exhibit A of someone. When I had gone through rough patches in my life, Addie, God sent people there to walk alongside me. Things that were meant to crush me and, 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 and destroy me, God sent people there. And I must tell you, I was wise enough in some instances to swallow my pride and accept and accept. I stand here as exhibit A, and it's the reason my, my ministry and my attitude is one that is grace-laden. Because I stand here as exhibit A of someone who has been the recipient of grace. That when I messed up, there's some folks who got sent in my life to say, Hey, this might have been an event, but this is not who you are. I thank God. That he's a God who restores. <laughs> Others may write you off. Others may use that single, that singular event to mark who you are. But God says, I can restore. I can restore. I thank God for that reality. How about you? How about you? I want to be used by him. I want God to use me to to, to come alongside someone to support them as they are going through a rough patch, a rough time. I want God to use me. But as a praise team will sing, and then I'll return for the appeal. In order for him to do that, I've got to give myself totally to him. Totally to him. Give it all to him so he can use it. They'll sing. I'll return for the appeal. We'll close and we'll go home. Let's all stand. As we sing the song, I give myself away. It's going to take a surrendered heart.
to be a help to someone else. It's going to take someone denying themselves to bear one another's burdens.
through a rough patch, a rough season. Saying, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. We're here offering ourselves as a church family to say, you don't have to do it by yourself. Don't have to do it by yourself. We're called upon as believers to bear one another's burdens. I don't know where you are in your walk, but I'd like to pray with you and for you. If that's you, won't you join me here? I want to pray with you. Just leave your seat. Say excuse to your neighbor, or your neighbor will walk with you. Come, let's pray about it. Is that you? God bless you. Whatever it is, we want to be that family to surround you to let you know we've got your back that you're not in this alone whatever it is financial difficulty health difficulty social issue whatever it is we want to come alongside you we want to walk with you through It's all good and well that we come and we worship and we have a good time in Jesus, but there may be somebody here today. You know that when the services, when the service is over, you walk through those doors and the reality that you have to deal with is daunting. Well, getting your praise on and escape for a few minutes, but then you walk through those doors, and the reality is stark. Listen, the only price 
you will have to pay is the price of being transparent. And we have witnesses in the house who will tell you that after they became transparent, God opened up assistance. God sent the right person or persons. And it made the difference between them being crushed by the load and overcoming, overcoming. Not just to spend these few moments in worship. That's, 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 That's one of our objectives. Elder Adam, but the other objective is to ensure that we provide opportunity for you to connect in a real way beyond the happy Sabbath, beyond the superficial greeting. Just a few minutes we spend in worship, sometimes just a few minutes in conversation in a smaller group. I have been there, I have been there, I've been in those situations where I'm sharing and it's so, and not that it's so happened, God provided the right man, the right, the right woman in that group to say, you know, I can help, I can help, I can help, I I can hook you right up right now. You see, some of us, we, we don't get it. It's not that God is going to send the blessing from the sky to fall in your lap. God sends the blessing through your neighbor. And the blessing happens within the context of connecting with others. The problem with some of us is, and I understand it because I'm a recovering addict. I understand it. Some of us, we are too private. Oh, it's all my business. It's my, we're, we're grinning to bear it. We're grinning and we're bearing it. We're grinning and we're bearing it. God has provided the answer right here in this community. If you would just open your mouth, if you would just shout, I need help, somebody. God bless you. I'm gonna pray. Perhaps you're watching online. You can reach out to us the next step. But as the praise team just sang, it begins with total surrender to Jesus. Total surrender to Jesus. Total surrender to Him. Total surrender to Him. At the end of our days, what really matters, what really matters is the impact we've had on the life of others. Not how many degrees, not how much money in the bank account, not the house we live in, not the city. What really matters is how God has used our lives to touch the lives of us. In prayer, Father, we thank you so much for your word. Oh, there have been so many times in our lives when we are confronted with situations and circumstances that are far beyond our pay grade, way beyond our capacity to deal with. We thank you, Lord, that those of us who can testify that you've, you've sent the right person at the right time. 
with the right answer. We thank you. We pray for those who've come. You know the circumstances. You know the situation. There are those of us in this, in this body, right here in this church, who've given over ourselves to the idea of being there for each other. I've given over ourselves to the concept of seeking to create a community where there can be true, there can be authentic connection. We've given of ourselves to this, Lord. We, we thank you for the impact it already is having on the, the, the lives, the lives in, this, in this congregation and the worship experience in this congregation. Church is becoming more than a building. Church is becoming more than just a time when we meet. Church is becoming more about a family connected in Jesus. And so we pray for these who've come and, and even those who are dittering and halting there in their seats. But through the, the ministry of the, the Holy Spirit, you speak to each heart. And as we seek to find community after the service, meaningful connection, oh Lord, may your Holy Spirit reign. We pray that someone would leave the service here today knowing that they are loved by you and loved by others. That someone will leave the service here today knowing that the fact that they messed up does not mean that they've been written off for life. That someone will leave the service knowing that where sin abound, grace much more abounds. Someone will leave the service knowing they're not in this alone. They're not in this alone. We bless you and we praise you because it is in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. And amen. Uh, turn to somebody and say, hey neighbor, you're not alone. Come on, tell somebody else, say, hey neighbor, you're not alone. You're not alone. Not alone. God bless you. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seven-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.